great day. Amazing humans. Yes. Welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. We feature guests of varying backgrounds and lived experiences to share their empowering stories, knowledge, and insights. Our goal is for you, the listener, to fill your mind with empowered thoughts to further empower your human. I'm your host in Kitchen Waffle Robinson and founder and CEO of EIMS. I'm an experienced technology executive, an author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker and viral sensation with speeches that have over 7 million views worldwide, and most recently awarded WXN Most Powerful Woman in Canada. I trust that you are already feeling empowered. So please listen, leave a review, share the podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Yes, great day, amazing humans. Welcome to the next episode of Empowered My Skin. You know, it's a podcast. On today, my guest is an educator, speaker, and entrepreneur. She's the founder and CEO at Skills Camp and also founder at Safe Social. Skills Camp is a soft skills training company that works with businesses and educational institutions to help their staff and students develop the essential skills needed for professional and personal success. She's a TEDx speaker with over 2 million views, an award-winning digital marketer, and a businesswoman with a talent for helping people develop the skills they need for success, and has also been named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. She holds a master's degree in communications and culture from Ryerson University with research focused on social media's impact on mental health. We are going to have an outstanding conversation. So put your ears together for this incredible human, Bailey Parnell. <laughs> well, now I'm really excited to be here after that intro. <laughs> yeah, you know, some a lot of people are like, can I hire you? No. Okay. So love, first of all, so excited. Um, to interview you and I know we shared you know pre-interview where I where I saw you first and um and so really excited to delve into your expertise in this space but to get us started can you tell us a little bit about who you are and even just take us on the journey as to how you actually made a decision to really study social media and its impact on mental health Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm still Bailey Parnell and I, I own uh, two organizations now. One is called Skills Camp, which is sort of my, my everyday soft skills training company. And the second was Safe Social. And funny enough, both of them really came, um, the impetus for both of them was my last job before I went full time with my business. And I worked at Ryerson University in student affairs which is kind of everything outside the classroom that supports student success, like career centers and health and wellness departments, all that jazz. And my role there was really quite unique, unique because I literally wrote the job description. And so it was uh, half, half, half of it was storytelling, marketing, social marketing, and digital community building. Um, And it was really at the time where uh, social media even though the marketers had figured it out, education, we were actually figuring out, you know, how can we create digital community with these tools? And so models for digital student engagement actually led my, it was at the beginning of my career. And the other half of that role was helping each of these departments um, sort of update, innovate, and kind of co-create their programming for, for more modern times. And so you can see now a little bit half of my life today is definitely the, that soft skills development for, for folks. And then the other half of my life is, is um, social media's impact on mental health. 
But where that started particularly was not overnight. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> over the course of probably about a year where when I was working at Ryerson, which was probably around 2015, a couple of things happened simultaneously. The first was that I was starting to see a bunch of news articles come out that were suggesting like, hey, hey, this this social media thing, like Snapchat's just popping off, Instagram's only a couple years in, um, having negative impact on teens or, you know, alters the brain. And so this was really just starting to come out. And so on one side, I'm like, okay, we're literally responsible for student health and wellness. And I'm the one asking students to come be on social media with me. And so part of me felt it's my it's my responsibility to also understand how they can do this safely. Mm-hmm. And then I also had this experience, not to kind of, again, all around the same time period, where I took a, a, a no-work vacation to Jasper, Alberta. It's just a four-day vacation. It was um, for the first time in over four years I was turning my phone off. And I remember this is actually at the beginning a story at the beginning of the the ted talk about this that i have and that um and i was offline and i started to grab my phone even though it wasn't there and i was like feeling phantom vibration syndrome and i was kind of distracted in conversation and so at that time i'm somebody who works in social media i study social media and i'm a i personally use it so here i am thinking if this is you know these are absolutely signs of addiction that's what i would call it now perhaps a bit of withdrawal symptoms but i'm supposed to be the person who really knows about this stuff considering i study it work in it and use it Mm -hmm. and if i don't know what's going on here with the brain guarantee nobody else around me knows what's going on here so that was kind of like all put together the um the sort of impetus for all right i someone's got to understand what's going on here i need to do it for my students so i started um i actually started researching this as a professional staff member it's kind of complicated the way the university runs, but there's like the ac- the formal academic side, you go get your master's, and then there's the staff side. And even though they might be conducting research, it wouldn't, you're not going to get, say, a degree mm-hmm. out of it. So I did over a year of that sort of professional research before I went to go get the master's. And kind of part of the reason I got the master's was because I was like, if I'm going to do this research anyways, I may as well get a degree out of it. And so that's kind of what led to the master's. And that's why the TED Talk happened about a year into the master's based on prior research as well. And then that snowballed and, and then fast forward to today and it's its, um, it's, its own organization and the master's is done. <laughs> I love it. And I, I'm going to ask you more about the TED Talk in mm-hmm. that in a minute and, and also mm-hmm. the continued work, um, but just a little bit more about you. Um, so I'm big on affirmations and, um, you know, I am. I always believe, what, you know, whatever is attached to it at the end we become. So what would be your great I am? I suppose that's a really good question. I see your shirt right now says I am enough. <laughs> I think you're definitely more than more than enough for sure. Um, Thank you. Wait, no. I I'd say I am like powerful. It's mm. funny that you've introduced me as uh, as like or as the affirmation, but you introduced me having won Canada's top 100 most powerful women. But when I won it, I that was probably what, three years ago maybe more and I want it in the future leaders category and I swear to you my year my word or phrase for this year was level up and Mm -hmm. what I meant by that was you need to stop thinking about yourself as a novice because I was kind of like oh I don't have a business background for so long and even though I, I have never really had confidence issues it was more like me logically 
confidently and justifying it to myself that you're kind of like, um, you know, you're, you're a lifelong learner and you're a novice and you don't have business skills or you're not business skills. You're obviously doing the, the damn thing, but like you don't have a business background. So this year I'm just kind of like, you know, you are actually, you have quite a bit of power and, and influence with that, especially with all the people I work with. So that's my kind of current affirmation. 100% power. I mean, all I saw was power when I was like, how do, can we get her? Like, do you think we can try and get her? Like, I just oozing it. I love it. And, you know, I have a question because we both share that as, you know, the esteemed award of a hundred, um, most top 100, most powerful woman. Did you have an imposter syndrome at the time when you got it? I went through that. I think maybe because I was future leaders category that I didn't have imposter syndrome because it was like, it was a category for young people who are like going to be really right. Theoretically, <laughs> right? Still, still very much based on things that I had done by that point, like safe social and skills camp already existed, but not near its iteration today. Mm-hmm. Skills camp just turned five last week. Mm-hmm. So that came out beginning of 2017. So it was really early in these, uh, in these, um, I suppose, journeys. But what I did feel, sort of, I guess the impact it had on me that was the, the big, I still refer to kind of in my journey as a moment, was, was um, that, okay, so I grew up with a mom, a stepmom, and five sisters. So I have a lot of powerful women in my life, let me tell you. But I would say that um, even though I had a lot of powerful women, I didn't have any women in my life who, or even men, whose life I wanted to be like. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my family wasn't very well off. Neither of my parents finished high school. Um, so even even though education was always, you know, really promoted as, as really important, there was no one, no entrepreneurs, you know, no one in my life, no, no teachers, educators, really just like blue collar. Now we might call them essential workers as we should have then. And uh, so when I went to WXN, even when I went through university and even though I love my profs, guest speakers, there were still like, no, because I went to a media school, I'm like, I still don't want that. Like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And WXN, I really remember as just like a moment that I was able to take my mom. And it it was like, whoa, oh, so this is where all y'all have been hiding. <laughs> like, I was like, look at all these women. Like, you run a tech startup. You run like a shipping company. I'm like, this is cool. And it just felt like really cool to be in that it does, eh? I suppose it, that power. Yeah, yeah that it was really like a big it, moment. For yeah, me. it really does. I love that. So we're going to get a little bit into you know what you do and the impact that it's having on the world. So I believe our legacy, a bit of your legacy, I like to say, is going to be left in this podcast. You know, what would you like everyone that's listening to? You know, or how would you like to be known at the end of this interview? I suppose at the end of the interview, I'd like to be known as the person who's helping people develop the skills that they need for personal and professional success. And, you know, how do I do that? Well, you've already mentioned that a little bit. I own a soft skills training company, and I really believe that the soft skills like resilience and communication skills are sort of a key ingredient to everything else. Mm -hmm. And... And I also do that through safe social and, and, and empowering people to use social media safely um, before, during, and after social media use. So ultimately, it's just about educating, I suppose, mm. helping people develop the skills they need. I love it. And you've already shared a little bit of nuggets, so very excited. So my next question, I was gonna, I'm was i veering a bit, I'm pivoting, because I was going to ask you, what have you sort of mm-hmm. learned about who you are like during this period of quarantine? But more so, I listened to your TED Talk 
anyone that's what you first of all you need to not stop now but as soon as you're done here click on the link and listen to the ted talk it's very powerful but as i was listening to it i was wondering what was she was she saying anything different after like in this period of pandemic you know where we just all seem to be on social media yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think that if my TED Talk was exactly the same today, then what on earth am I doing? <laughs> like, hopefully you've learned something new about this in the last four years. But like I said, it came out, geez, four years ago. Yeah. yeah, which is so wild. And I've been doing a, quite a bit of research and work in this space since. But what I'm very glad about is that practicing safe social, which is the end, how that talk ends, is really the absolute still the crux Mm -hmm. of my work and that it's it's still very much that social media can be a place that positively impacts your mental health and i can point you to just as many people myself included these days where it's very much a net positive in my life connecting me to others i get to learn i'm inspired personal branding marketing like Mm -hmm. all this good stuff and um but what i would add today is now it's actually quite literally my five steps towards safe social. That's my model, not four. And so I added that step at the end, which is not in the TED Talk, and that's holding responsible parties accountable. Mm. Actually, there's so much I've added. <laughs> but, the, but step five is holding responsible parties accountable because social media use is a risky behavior, mm-hmm. like sex or drugs or alcohol. And In psychology, we judge a risky behavior. The definition is something where when you participate, you expose yourself to potential harm. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And we know for sure now that you expose yourself to potential harm on social media, whether that is potentially being harassed, especially if you're a woman and especially if you're a woman of color, if you're LGBTQ, basically anything. If you are anything other than a straight Mm -hmm. white male, you you are and a much greater likelihood of being harassed, and the harassment will usually be about that thing. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, stress, traumatic imagery, comparing yourself, envy, these are all very real risks of using, and therefore it's a risky behavior and should be treated as such. And part five, holding responsible parties accountable, is essentially the idea that once you've sort of gone through the rest of the steps, that this is a multi-pronged approach, and like like any other risky behavior, it's going, if you really want to have change and you really want to make people healthy before, during, and after social media use, that this is also going to require help from some of the active parties, like, yes, us, but also parents, educators, mm-hmm. and especially governments and the companies themselves, mm-hmm. and that you have a role to play. And I could go on and on about this, as you've heard on a little bit on breakfast television, but like, if you're going to be this distributor of, of a risky behavior that is that is having a negative impact on a lot of people, then just like any other risky behavior, these companies should have some responsibility to make sure people understand how to do it safely. I mean, we literally put pictures of broken lungs on cigarette packs because we require them to to educate about the risks of this risky behavior. Mm -hmm. Smart serve. We require that the distributor of the risky behavior understands the risk Mm -hmm. and has to manage it. Mm -hmm. So... With social media, you know, I guess in the history of everything, it's really quite recent, but the governments, you know, governments need to get on regulating big tech. Hence why I was on Breakfast Television, where you saw me kind of talking a little bit about what's been going down in the past, uh, in the first few weeks of 2021, Mm -hmm. regulating big tech. You know, holding responsible parties accountable. So would you, could I attribute like what they, what, for example, Twitter CEO 
Jack Jack Dorsey mm-hmm. did to shut down Trump as an example right. as being responsible action and the domino effect that that had with other people then taking responsible measures? Yes, I would say that that was definitely an instance of practicing safe social, <laughs> which is really just all of this put into action, all the five steps, because you do have responsibility to make sure that your platform is safe, not only in the platform, I think. That's what there's there's various different elements when we start talking safety on these platforms. Like I know mostly as as we just talked about, my research is about the mental health components mm-hmm. related to it. Mm-hmm. But that whole situation coming in the first three months or the first uh, few weeks of 2021 was going into other elements of safety, Mm -hmm. which is like, are you starting here causing offline Mm -hmm. safety issues? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because then we really need to halt it here. But I, I, for the most part, talk about we, what can, what can Jack Dorsey and his team do to make Twitter safer for everybody, but also to educate people on the risks of using this fun thing anyway it's like mm-hmm. not so fun yeah. thing. i love i actually i like that holding responsible parties accountable big <laughs> i want to start from where i think is like there's some people that are like oh i don't do social media right because it has this bad connotation to them um what would you what would you say to those kind of to those people that say oh no no, no i don't go on social media because there's there's absolutely nothing good about it well that's just patently false there is good things about it and um it's possible but you know i'm never going to force anybody to get on social frankly you probably are healthier but but um the ben the benefits of social media are also so great Mm -hmm. which is why you'll never hear me tell people to get off social media Mm -hmm. and that's your solution Mm -hmm. grade nine students would laugh me out of the room if Mm -hmm. that was if that was it's not realistic so kind of like safe sex conversations if you can just if abstinence without consequence is not is you know in social media not sex but if abstinence <laughs> without without consequence is not an option mm-hmm. or in social media anymore then you have to practice safe social mm-hmm. and so i think it's smarter to work with youth on what can you expect here mm-hmm. what are some potential risks of using what can you do if these happen how can you make sure that you're well ahead of time and um in a way that that the that's what I'd probably say to that person too, who said there's nothing good here. I'd probably just share my own experiences of all the good that I've gotten here because social media has given a voice to people who were otherwise silenced. Mm-hmm. Like we, maybe we can't remember this, but it was not that long ago mm-hmm. that we were only listening to people on the TV and radio with the, with the, uh, and I'm a fan of both. I literally went to media school, radio and television arts was the name of my program. <laughs> like, but, um, but they were huge gatekeeper industries. So in that way, social media has completely liberated uh, people and, and given them a platform. Um, it's also given people a platform who maybe wasn't better for the rest of everybody yeah. else that they had one. Yeah. But they would say, you know, freedom of speech. And I would say, well, that doesn't free you from consequence. So you can say it, mm-hmm. but, you know, Jack Dorsey might take it down if it's yes. not with their yeah. within their um, terms of service. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going on and on, but... I'm actually talking again about the negative when I do want to remind people that there is good here. Like mm-hmm. I've, I, I met you, I'm talking to you on a social platform, mm-hmm. theoretically, I mean, Zoom, and I learned so much mm-hmm. and I've been connected to people I never would have ever been connected to if not for LinkedIn mm-hmm. or Instagram. 
Um, I love getting inspiration. Like I, I'm someone who likes the travel bloggers and I like the fashion bloggers because I don't think I'm naturally stylish, so I need ideas. <laughs> and like even the travel bloggers, I'm like they show me somewhere in the world I didn't want to travel, and it goes on my vision board. Mm-hmm. But here's a huge thing that I think that you'll appreciate and is um, also another one of the things I would have added to the TED Talk if I did it today. When I went into my research, um, I thought I would find a more explicit correlation between time on social media and rising levels of anxiety and depression. But what I actually found was no consistency in others' research. And some folks said, there's an issue here. And some, a whole section of my thesis is about social media improving the mental health Mm -hmm. of some of their participants. So now let me take you further into my study. In my study, what won't surprise you is that two different people would have very different reactions to to the same Instagram feed. Mm -hmm. Let's pretend it was the same photo from a fitness blogger, and and you and I would have a different reaction. What was even more interesting, though, probably the, the, the more key ingredient of my research was that the same person would have very different reactions at different times of the day, depending how they felt about themselves at that time of use. Mm-hmm. And it almost exactly sounded like this, um, which is a huge difference. Like It sounded, this is almost a direct quote. If I went to the gym that day and I feel good, I think you, then I see these fitness bloggers and I think hashtag goals. But if I didn't go and I feel dusty, I see them and I think I hate my life. And that's very different from the same person. And so what what became true out of out of my research and out of my participants um, was that what determined sort of what we would call it in research is the biggest indicator and also the biggest moderator. So what was most likely to cause a decline in mental health would be the indicator. And what was most likely to make it bigger, small effect was a moderator. So in both cases, what caused it and what made it either a really negative or really kind of slightly negative was how they felt about themselves offline, which seems so obvious until we are an hour into Instagram and we don't remember what we did and we don't even remember why we're on here. Well, that's still affecting you. So the best safe social strategy anyone could practice is probably actually step three, building those offline soft skills about, we don't, do you know yourself? What makes you feel good? What makes you, what makes you, you know, say I am powerful or Mm -hmm. I want to do that or I'm inspired. And Mm -hmm. the reality is, not everyone's going to be like me. And some people are going to look at those travel bloggers and think, why aren't I there? Instead of let me put that on my vision board. Mm-hmm. So is this a really long tangent? No, it's, like, I, I actually love important. it. And I think what you just, what you just articulate is sort of outlined how, and I don't even know, I mean, I'm going to ask you a couple mm-hmm. of questions around how do you know you're mm-hmm. addicted and, and some other elements about, you know, practicing safe social, but I almost mm-hmm. feel like I do kind of practice as best as I can safe social, but there was a period of my mm-hmm. time being in the fitness industry and that example I've heard I've heard in a research a couple you know you've mm-hmm. mentioned it a couple of times and it's just like oh my god yes. I've been I've been that person that I knew yeah, that I had a, to it's unf- a very easy one <laughs> very easy and I had to unfollow I had to unfollow pretty much everybody in the fitness industry because I knew mm-hmm. within me I wasn't feeling great in my skin and mm-hmm. and it was only until I had that you know that sort of that mental capacity to be comfortable in who I am that I knew that I'd be able to look at someone and see inspiration versus look at someone and see envy or jealousy or, or this. And it takes, it actually takes work. So I like that you 
talk about that's the offline work that you do that matters that's one of the things well, that matters. You are doing it. Like you are helping people get there, empowered in my skin. Like <laughs> that is what you need to be to enjoy social media. You know, to feel like when you see other entrepreneurs or when you hear, there's going to be a version of somebody inevitably that hears this podcast and mm-hmm. thinks, you know, I haven't done enough because of our resumes. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be someone else who's motivated, who's like, yes, okay, you know what? Like that's that's the thing. I need to do that, and so. They're feeling, one, probably they have a growth mindset. Probably their self-regard is higher. You Mm -hmm. know, how do they feel? Do they respect themselves? Do they believe they have the skills to learn and to get there? And that's exactly what you do. So believe it or not, you're part of helping people practice safe social. Thank you. I take, I receive that. Thank you. So let's talk about addiction because, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you said the word, I was like, I wonder if, like, have I, you know, I probably have experienced periods of addiction, but a lot of us, Mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, I think it's something that people are not readily open to admit, yeah. you know, and yeah. there's something about the stigma of addiction, but I think self-awareness is great. And I think it's, you know, you mm-hmm. can realize that you are like you did and look what you've done with what you realized about yourself. So how do you know, like, how would one know that I do have an addiction? Well, that's a good question. So the very easiest version is that I actually do have a free resource on the website, which is uh, called, it's an assessment in the resources page called, Am I Addicted to Social Media? (laughs) Now, that's the easiest way because it's not just like a BuzzFeed style quiz, but it actually walks you through questions. It's an assessment put together basically on how we present signs of addiction to other risky behaviors like drinking or drugs applied through the lens of social media. So, for example, I'll I'll give you some questions that I I remember are on there, which is, has someone, you know, have you ever been on social media? It's half an hour, an hour later, and you don't remember what you did or what you saw. And how often does that happen to you, of course, would be the, the kind of indicator, the moderator. So how often does that happen to you? And, um, and we don't save the answers on the other side. Mm-hmm. It's really, you get you get kind of a result at the end between mm-hmm. one out of four categories. But in any other risky behavior, if you do not remember what you've been doing for an hour, that would be a sign of addiction. It would be called blacking out in many risky yeah. behaviors. Yeah. So what to what degree does that happen? To what degree is the mindlessness present? Um, because, you know, whether you're making it mindful or not, the content in your media diet is still informing your brain. And another question on there would be, you know, has, how, has, or how often has, you know, a loved one said to you, hello, I'm talking to you. Can you get off your social media? You, you, you know, you're making the face. Like, like, <laughs> well, these are just a couple of questions. These are the light questions. I'm going to do the assessment. The other, yeah. It's like, or do you, another one that made some folks laugh because they did it, which was pre pandemic was, do you lie or manipulate situations to check social media for example do you say you're going to the bathroom so you can check social media do you do you um you know spend a little bit of extra longer time in the uber so that you can check social media it's like and then where were you oh, I always have to go to the bathroom Right, so right, these, right. Like, to what degree do you do these things? How stressed do you feel mm-hmm. when you can't use? Yeah. Would also be in any other risky behavior uh, an, an indicator. Mm-hmm. So I'll, that's where you can go. You can go mm-hmm. to that assessment and um, and 
you know, is straight up, is it affecting your relationships? Is it affecting your life? And is it taking away from things that you would rather be doing? Sometimes it's not a full-blown addiction as much as just it's overuse and you don't want it that way. Yeah. Similar to alcohol, not everybody has the gene that will make them an alcoholic, you mm-hmm. know, not, that's just not going to happen all brains, mm-hmm. but we could still very well not be addicted and say, I'm drinking too much. Like I want to cool it yeah. because there's other things I want to do or I want to feel better. And that's kind of the similar conversation you should be having with social. And it's interesting. One of the things that I did um, when mm-hmm. it was Apple, when Apple came up with screen time, I immediately put on a timer for 20 minutes for all social media for the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes up pretty quickly. <laughs> it does come up. And then you have 15 more minutes, one more minute, no more. I try as much as I can. Like, it's done for the day, you know. Um, but I did that yeah. in the sense to at least have some type of, notif- like, bring me to awareness, right? Like, because that mm-hmm. just blew my mind, what you just said there, that, you you know, after mm-hmm. you've been on there for 20 30 minutes can you recount what you actually saw and yeah. it's all those like it subliminal would be better and healthier it would be more it would be a better safe social practice if you saw three photos that you actually liked and enjoyed mm-hmm. and brought you the good feeling so you thought about you know who that is and and you've designed your feed accordingly it would be better to consume five of those photos than to scroll through 200 mindlessly mm-hmm. and and i like the word i like the fact that you just used the word design because i was gonna um harp on that because mm-hmm. i've seen i've i've um as we do in your, your research, you've used mm-hmm. that word a lot of times, and it's like mm-hmm. creator. You could become a creator of yeah. your social media feed, and it can be whatever it is that you want to create. So you can actually create yeah. health for yourself, right? Yeah. Okay, I you love can. that. You can make it so that it feeds your soul and mm-hmm. um, or whatever. It feeds your business straight up sometimes. <laughs> feeds your mouth in that way, like <laughs> in my case, but... You can make it so that it can be whatever you want. In the TED Talk, I joke about it. I say, like, you can, if you want, you know, make it cats. Or you want to, like, if that's what gives you joy, then that would be under joy and entertainment, which would be positive categories. And speak, because I know we were talking about, you know, the positive sides of social media as well. And I think entertainment Mm -hmm. is totally, is fine. Like, Mm -hmm. What entertains us is all different, and it was before social media as well. But I don't inherently think, like, if you're, for me, TikTok, for example, I find it (laughs) hella entertaining. It is, like, funny, and I watch people making (laughs) recipes and home, and, like, home decor in 15 seconds, and then dancing, and I'm like, this is fun. (laughs) And so, (laughs) I don't inherently think that, even if it was, like, half an hour, an hour, I don't think that that's inherently worse than half an hour of a reality TV show Mm, mm -hmm. or whatever it might be for you. I think that that's like, like, so, so it's not, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's inherently bad and entertainment would be considered a positive emotion Mm because from entertainment, ideally you're, you know, Mm -hmm. getting interest and fun and all that sort of stuff. I really, but I really do think the biggest message there is, and the fact that she is like joy, like create your feed so that it brings you joy. Right, really mm-hmm. be in control of, of what you're letting in. So, my last question before I get into um, you know rapid thrivers is, you know, in the eight, right now, I would say there's massive companies paying billions of dollars for our attention, 
Like that's mm-hmm. what they do mm-hmm. all the yeah. time. And so it's getting increasingly, increasingly more difficult. You pull up your, your, your internet and it's like, I just had a conversation about that, you know? And so how do we protect ourselves against that? Because they are big corps and they have billions of dollars to grab our attention. Mm-hmm. I know I, this is where like, this reminds me of the step five we talked about, about holding responsible parties accountable because there is multiple parties here um, until the people, which you saw in the last few weeks, until the people start saying, hey, what big tech is doing is messed up. Mm-hmm. Until that starts happening, why would government have any motivation to regulate it? Mm-hmm. So what our conversations here actually do matter and what you bring to your politicians matters. What gets covered in the news matters. And it. so, for example, um, one of the ways that it really went into practice recently and who we should look to. We're very behind here in Canada and in the U.S., but over in Europe, they're doing a bit better of a job with the GDPR. And what they're starting to do with data privacy and privacy laws and with big tech is, at its simplest form, they're saying, okay, Facebook, Google, I don't care where you are (laughs) physically based in California, and I don't care where you say you're based in Dublin because of low corporate tax rates. If you are servicing our people and you are making money off of our people, you figure out the geolocation, and these are our rules here. And that is actually, it seems like a small difference, but this is in, in internet and social media, it's a radically different way of regulating because here's why. You actually regulate based on where the service is enjoyed versus where it's coming from. And we do this in other businesses. We're used to this in TV, which is why in actually right here in Canada, there has been a decade of resistance from the television industry about the regulation of big tech way before the rest of us, because they were saying, how come Netflix, gosh, this is like, enrages me too. (laughs) Slightly different industry, but how come Netflix can sell to all the Canadians, make money off them, not have to pay a broadcaster fee in Canada when they are absolutely a broadcaster. All the rest of our TV broadcasters have to pay broadcaster fees. They have to pay corporate taxes to Canada. And Netflix doesn't, even though they are broadcasting to Canadians. So sometimes it just seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. And you're getting me, like, amped up. Because, <laughs> because there is some responsibility that others need to take. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then there's also, you know, the responsibility we need to take as well. So I, did I answer your question or did I just go on a rant? No, no, no. Well, one, I do believe, I do believe a lot of it is, is ours, but I, I, you know, I would say that it's about what are some of the things that we personally can do to right. not, like one thing I heard, for example, is don't necessarily use the notifications that are sent to you. Like, so for example, I'm on YouTube and the next thing I know, YouTube is recommending a number of videos I should watch. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, like choose your own content, like try to be that mindful and choose your own content. So I was just wondering if you had any other tips on how. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely went zero to a hundred in terms (laughs) of like long term what we can do. But for a kind of everyday instances of designing your feed, this is all on the website too under step two. But you can um, actually get to understand your privacy and security settings on the platforms you're on. Like take a hot minute to look at what Instagram is offering on the back end now, because 
for example, if you're being harassed, there's even small things that have been around for a while. Like you can block certain words from being allowed in your comments. So maybe there's no instance where you want, you know, the C word or the B word mm -hmm. in your comments. Mm -hmm. You can cut that. There's, um, you can make it so that now you never used to be able to do this, but you can actually mute people without unfollowing them. Mm -hmm. So maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to, you know, a 40 year old who's doesn't care whether someone is following them or not but to if they're 14 year old who hates social media but is only following these people because they feel like they're socially obligated to that's a big that's actually a mental safety a feature problem, yeah. right that mm -hmm. you can enjoy this and um um so all that's available understand your your data and privacy concerns think start with your self-awareness like we keep saying this but you know what actually stresses you out can you answer that question because mm -hmm. if you know that when there's a story about like everything that's gone on recently, yeah. like whatever it is for you, you know, the story that stresses you out, if you know there's a big news story about that in the day, maybe not the time for the explore page or the yeah. Twitter, Twitter trends page, because yeah. it's going to stress it's gonna you out. It's going to be on there. Yeah. And if you at least have had a conversation with yourself about that, like you'll know what to expect. Mm -hmm. so I love that. That's stuff we can do every day. Thank you. Thank you for the, those are empowering tactics. Love it. So <laughs> quick, who is somebody that's, when you think about somebody that inspires you, who comes to mind first and why? My gosh, I'm gonna, I think, um, I, who comes to mind first? Uh, I've been thinking like, Maybe just because it's the only person I'm seeing right now, but my fiance has inspired me quite a bit. <laughs> and I know, and that's why I was like, oh, no, I, I could. No, a lot of people. It, it, that's a great. That's a great one. I love it. I hope he listens to this podcast to hear it. I rolled my eyes at myself, but also maybe like only seeing one human. No, but honestly, he's um very insightful, and we have good conversations. And I know that we started this conversation talking about the book, but we were just talking about that recently. So. I also think he's like nicer than I am. So, like, that's what that's like. I love it. He's going to have to listen to this. He's going to have to listen and to this. But there's just so many. I love, um, I really like <laughs> the Prime Minister of New Zealand. I find her <laughs> really inspiring, Jacinda mm -hmm. Ardern. <laughs> and, um, and I really am, I, I vibe particularly with women. Like, I'm inspired by a lot of women who have, who have, balanced building something yeah. with giving something yeah i don't expect that just of women you know that's not a, like because i know that it is more expected of women than men but i think it's just because i'm like a woman myself and yeah. I, I find it really inspiring to see other women succeed i like so. that i like that the balance what is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive i my the first thing I do in the morning is make my bed and I eat breakfast every day. <laughs> That's a great, those also, are two great habits. I also sleep well. I don't cut this whole four-hour stuff out. So your sleep is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. I love it. I love it. Do you go to bed at a, I'm just curious, do you go to bed at a set time or? No. So I'm, I'm not like rigid about when I, when I go to bed or even when I wake up, there's like an hour leeway. It depends. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes between today was six, but that's because mm -hmm. I had something at nine and mm -hmm. I like a nice long breakfast, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, leisurely morning. I love it. So, um, and then sometimes at seven, I try to, I'm like usually in bed by 11. <laughs> so you don't compromise on sleep. 
I need to take a page out of your book. What is a book that has helped you with your Thrive? You know what? I was really inspired recently by um, Ride of a Lifetime by the Disney CEO, Bob Iger. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's not as much of like an instructional book Mm -hmm. as, as much as it was autobiographical okay and he was just sharing his stories throughout the gestation of growing um disney but mm-hmm. maybe it's because i was also a bit of nostalgia for the brand myself but what i just walked away with was that you there is a version of this where you can succeed and you can give back and you can care about other people and you don't need to choose between always money and success yeah. and over the rest of the world okay so like when I get thinking about these companies I was just um that book very recently is probably why it's top of mind is helping me thrive because it's like yeah there's a version of this where you make people happy too mm-hmm. it's the end not the or mm-hmm. yeah what is an app that helps you with your thrive well I've so many apps like I have all the productivity apps I Google Suite Asana Slack <laughs> like oh my gosh Google Calendar I live by the calendar for sure I live by the calendar got it yeah. and uh, last question what is a misconception that people have of you as they see you in your thrive that is a great question and the only reason why I have such a good answer for this is because not a couple weeks ago, I did an icebreaker with my team at Save Social, and I kind of used this uh, card game called We're Not Really Strangers. And I pulled out the question called, what was, um, what were you most surprised at by me? Or like, what about me most surprised you? Mm-hmm. And they said how, um, very grateful, they said how down to earth you are. So I think that that told me that, oh, perhaps like, or, you know, when I saw you, she said, one of them referenced an example where, I spoke at this event and I went over and afterwards people were talking to me and I actually talked to them. And I was like, I didn't realize that that was abnormal, (laughs) but but that you're you're a human, you know what I'm saying? So when I got that, so the misconception then kind of told me that maybe because I am more like professional on social Mm -hmm. media, it comes across that it's like, that that's all I'm about. Mm -hmm. But it's just because I'm not going (laughs) to show you my... Social media for me is more like a lead generation tool. I love that. I love that. And so where can we find you online? And do you have anything coming up that that we should check out for? Okay, well, hopefully this is the good side of social media. But you can follow me at Bailey Parnell on everything. And um, Safe Social is at safesocialmedia.co to keep up to date with what we're doing there. Yeah, and, and I'm coming up soon. Skills Camp will be launching an online course portal. So, for the folks that maybe don't have an organization here that uh, will pay for their soft skills development or school, you can go on to our online course portal coming out soon and take some of our courses. Okay, awesome. We'll make sure all the links um, and even the link to the assessment and your TED Talk are in Amazing. the show notes. <laughs> and so, as a final question, this podcast, and I think you kind of mentioned it before, but I'm going to, you know, I'm pure you know, Bailey style, what does it mean to you to be empowered in my skin? Um, I feel like being empowered is having the, it's not feminist in nature, actually. It's having the freedom to choose and the skills to get there. Mm. So if you want to empower someone financially, that would look different than if you're empowering them with the skills they need for success. But both is about opening up their ability to choose and actually get there. Which is very feminine. That is feminism, right? Choice. Choice, yes. We are. 
choice. We have choices. Choice, I love choice it. without consequence, yes. right? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. I have thoroughly enjoyed sharing energy with you. And, um, yeah, you, you know, the, the work that you're doing is just, it's honestly, it's phenomenal. And, you know, I thoroughly encourage people, you know, beyond this interview to please check out her podcast. Do that. I know that I want to do that assessment. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, check out all of the material and even just follow her online because uh, there's a lot of lot of rich information I found in the research on you so that's awesome so thank you very much Bailey it's been a pleasure and to everyone that's a platform yeah (laughs) and to everyone that's listening this is where unfortunately I have to say we're out bye-bye so there you have it I trust you're saying to yourself I'm fully empowered in my skin And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you feel can benefit from the empowering content that we deliver. As Tom Billia says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been fun hanging with you. It's your girl, and I'm out.